Your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief keeps you informed about what's happening in Annapolis, Anne Arundel County, and Maryland. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and, of course, local weather. Your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Well, good morning. It's Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, presented by Annapolis Subaru and the SPCA of Anne Arundel County. Yesterday, Governor Moore gave his first State of the State address. If you missed it, we'll tack it on to the end of this DNB. It is about 45 minutes long. All right, we do have some news, so let's get into it, shall we? Bad news for some Kia and Hyundai owners. Well, some of them. Anyhow, police are warning owners of those cars to remove phone chargers and USB cables from their vehicles. Why? Because of a TikTok challenge that is going across the nation showing how to hotwire and steal the cars with just a USB cable. Police do recommend a brake pad club. I'm not sure what that is. I know what the club is, but a brake pad club or a car alarm. And also, adding salt to the wounds, State Farm and Progressive Insurance Companies are now refusing to insure them. The models they're looking at are 2011 to 2021 Kia Souls and Sorentos and the Hyundai Tucsons and Elantras. Both Kia and Hyundai are working to address the situation. Saturday night at midnight, you're going to hear a lot of bells ringing as long as the seniors at St. John's College turn in their senior essays. It's a tradition stems back many, many years. Seniors turn in their essays at the president's house and then return to campus to each get a single peal of the bell in the McDowell Hall bell tower. The ringing should be done by 1.30 a.m. And this is just one of the first traditions as the seniors prepare to graduate at the end of the semester. Hey, put this on your calendar for a little bit later on this month. If you have a honeydew list or maybe it's a wish list for your house. The Annapolis Homeowners Expo is back on February 25th and 26th at the Byzantium Center on Reaver Road. HGTV's Matt Blashaw will be on hand with 80 or so vendors, and they've added wine tasting and a really cool seminar for every homeowner by a local home inspector on knowing exactly how your home is built so hopefully you can head off any problems before they become problematic. Tickets are only $5, and you can get them at thehomeownersexpo.com. And one more event for your calendar, and we all know that February 12th is the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. Go Eagles! But there is also a Super Bowl right here in Annapolis. For the 17th year, Heritage Baptist Church will host a free Super Bowl with delicious soup creations from guest chefs and a real chef, Zachary Pope, who I actually learned is a Cowboys fan. I got to tell you, his food is much better than his football team. They do request donations. They go to the Lighthouse Shelter, but they're not required. And again, 100% of the, any money collected will go to support the Lighthouse. The gig is from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., so there's still plenty of time to get wings and get home for the real deal. And Heritage is located at 1740 Forest Drive in Annapolis. It's kind of catty corner and across Forest Drive from the Safeway. All right, that's all I've got news-wise. Podcast stuff. Up this weekend on the local business spotlight, Geeks on God. Now, did that pique your interest or not? And that is a wrap. As always, thank you for being you, and thank you to our sponsors for the Daily News Brief. Annapolis Subaru, the SPCA of Anne Arundel County, Solar Energy Services, WTMD, and Alpha Engineering. So now you just need to hang tight because we have George Young from DCMDVA Weather standing by with your only locally forecast weather report and, of course, 
Trevor is here with your Annapolis Makerspace Maker Minute. All that coming up in just a bit. The benefits of a good night's sleep are well documented. Sleeping well prevents weight gain, improves concentration and creativity, and boosts the immune system. So, what keeps you up at night? If you run a business, then the security of your computer network may be one of those things. Threats like ransomware and phishing are becoming increasingly sophisticated and pose a real risk to any business. Don't let these cyber threats keep you up at night. At Alpha, they've been helping their customers sleep better for over 30 years by monitoring in real time and hardening network defenses. And for those irritating IT issues that arise every day, Alpha's just a phone call away. Helping your business run smoothly and helping you sleep better knowing Alpha is on guard. Give Alpha a call to see if they can ease your worries and help you get the rest you deserve. Find them at alphagetsit.com. When you live near Annapolis, you know how fickle the weather can be. So you need a truly local forecast that's accurate and reliable. Forecast right here in Annapolis. DCMDVA weather is not just for today, but for the rest of the week and the weekend too. Now here's George Young of DCMDVA weather with the weather outlook for today and beyond. Hey everyone, this is George with DCMDVA Weather, and this is your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Thursday, February 2nd. Yesterday was great across the Annapolis region for one simple reason. We ended the snow drought for this winter with some very late early morning snow that resulted in a dusting to maybe a quarter or a half inch of snow in spots, which was great to see and light enough to not cause any issues with roadways across the region. And now we'll have a bit of cold air to deal with before a nice warm-up occurs next week. Look for highs today in the low to mid-40s with mostly cloudy skies, ahead of a very cold couple of days to follow with temps in the mid-30s or so for PM highs Friday, with wind chills likely in the 20s as winds gust over 30 miles per hour at times, leading to a very cold Saturday with AM lows of 11 to 18 degrees across Anne Arundel County, with PM highs only 27 to 33 degrees despite plenty of sunshine. But then it's quickly back up to 45 or 50 on Sunday, followed by 47 to 53 Monday, with Tuesday then bringing mid to upper 50s to maybe near 60 degrees as we resume an overall very warm start to 2023. Okay, that's it for today. This is George Young of DCMDVA Weather. Make it a great day out there today. Stay healthy and be safe. And don't forget to follow DCMDVA Weather on Facebook and Twitter for regular updates each day, along with the website at dcmdvaweather.info. And definitely be sure to download the DCMDVA Weather app on all of your devices from either the Apple or Google App Stores so you can always stay weather-informed. Face it, your kids are young, you're older than ever, and musically, your life is a demographic nightmare until now. TMD's Saturday Morning Tunes live concert series is back, this time in Annapolis with Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Throw the whole gang in the minivan of destiny and meet us at Maryland Hall for a family-friendly set by the righteously rocking Jimmy's Chicken Shack, Saturday morning, February 11th. Tickets are cheap, parking is free, and music the whole fam can enjoy is priceless. So join us as Jimmy's Chicken Shack comes home to roost at Maryland Hall in Annapolis, Saturday, February 11th at 10 a.m. Made possible in part by the Peabody Institute of the Johns Hopkins University. Tickets online at WTMD.org.
Every week, makers, crafters, and educators hold events all over the area. Highlighting some of those, here's our Maker Minutes, brought to you by Annapolis Makerspace. Hey, this is Trevor from Annapolis Makerspace with this week's Maker Minutes. At Wolf on the Wharf in Edgewater, Saturday is their rescheduled Starry Sky Paint Your Pet Night. And also on Saturday, they're doing a Super Bowl paint night as well. Tomorrow, the Creative and Performing Arts of South County in Edgewater is having an art night for ages 7 through 10, as well as another session for ages 11 and up. This session's topic is clay at Whole Foods in Annapolis. Today, their Half Pint Kids Club is doing Groundhog Cupcakes with two sessions this time, one at 11 a.m., and another at 1 p.m. And then on Tuesday, their Half Pint Kids Club is doing Fresh Fruit Pops at Art Farm in Annapolis. Sunday, they have their Vibe Flow and Chill Yoga. And continuing this week is their Kids Winter Semester. On Saturday, there's Experimental Art for ages 9 through 12, as well as Kids Art School for ages 6 through 8. On Monday is the evening session of their Kids Art School for ages 6 through 8, as well as Beat Making for ages 12 through 16. Tuesday, there's Cartooning for ages 9 through 12, Digital Illustration for ages 13 through 17, and Fashion Design Illustration for ages 9 through 12. Then on Wednesday is their Junior Kids Art School for ages 9 through 12 as well. At the Anne Arundel County Public Library System this week, today the Bush Annapolis Library has a Crafternoon, Deal has a Black History Month Crafternoon, Odenton is doing Knits and Knots, and Glen Burnie has Paper Flowers from the Heart. On Saturday, Bush Annapolis has Master Gardener Seed Swap, and Deal has Soco Grows, Identification and Controlling Non-Native Invasive Species. Then on Wednesday, Maryland City has a Crafting Drop-In, Bush Annapolis has their Nature Explorers Club as well as Makerspace Open Hours. And there's an online session of the Virtual Cookbook Club Mystery Ingredient Challenge. And over at Unallocated Space in Severn, tonight is their weekly virtual happy hour. Tomorrow is another DEFCON 443 cybersecurity meetup. Monday is their project night. And Wednesday is their weekly open house, as well as the Maryland Tool Lock Sport Lock Picking Night. If you have any questions about the Annapolis Makerspace, the Maker Minutes, or any of these events, feel free to contact me at trevor at makeannapolis.org. And you can find links to all of these events at the Annapolis Makerspace website, also at makeannapolis.org. Whether you're making art, software, sawdust, or just a mess, chances are you're already a maker. This has been Trevor from Annapolis Makerspace with this week's Maker Minutes. Hello, energy consumers. This is Rick Peters, president of Solar Energy Services. Have you been looking for ways to save money recently? Maybe you should consider solar energy for your home. Or are you waiting for the technology to get cheaper? If so, how long are you going to wait? Today's solar costs less than 20% of what it cost 10 years ago. But while solar prices have declined every year, so have the financial incentives. Bottom line, if you wait for cheaper solar, you're also waiting for lower incentives. Take my home, for example. My solar system was installed in 2010, and it's been paid off for almost five years, and I no longer have to buy any electricity for another 15 to 20 years. If I waited for cheaper solar, I'd still be paying an electric bill. At Solar Energy Services, we have thousands of satisfied customers who are sure glad they didn't wait. So what are you waiting for? Sunshine's a wasted. Call us today for a free solar design at 410-923-6090 or on the web at solarsaves.net. Sunshine, sunshine, nothing else can make me feel so fine. You've been listening to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues, this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis and Anne Arundel County. And don't forget about our website, iamannapolis.net, where you can find even more information. And make sure you follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Annapolis. This Daily News Brief podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. I apologize for taking so long, Madam Speaker. It will not happen again. I promise next year we'll be a little bit faster. (laughs) Uh, Madam Speaker, uh, Mr. President, members of this uh, distinguished body, our General Assembly, members of our congressional delegation as well, and colleagues in state and local government, 
and my fellow Marylanders. Now, all right. <laughs> for, uh, for almost three years, I've had the joy and the pleasure of just traveling our, uh, our entire state and talking to Marylanders from every region, every race, every creed, and in many of your districts. And I listened to what they had to say. Some of the voices are actually here today, but all of the voices that I heard, they're in my heart, they're in my head, they're in my memories. And Marylanders, as you all know, they're worried about the economy and whether or not it can keep pace with the cost of living. We worry about safety in our communities. Families struggle to afford and find affordable health care, child care, and pre-K. And people of all ages are getting lost in this maze of behavioral health crises and trauma. Yet, despite the challenges that we have seen, I know that the Marylanders that I have spoken to, they are not only fast to offer solutions, as you all have known, have seen, but they're also, they've also expressed a deep hope and a deep desire to be part of the solution. They were the first to organize a food drive at their local school. They raised their hands to watch the kids in the neighborhood. They agreed to serve on the board of one of our remarkable local nonprofit organizations. They're willing to work in our local and our state government. These are individuals, in short, these are individuals, Marylanders, who are ready to serve. Now, I'm only here right now because of the people in my life who stepped up even when they were not called. People who served even when they didn't call it that. People who are willing to sacrifice in the moment for the hope of a better tomorrow. The teachers and the educators who gave me the tools to think for myself. The coaches who pushed me even when I wanted to stop. The ministers who prayed for me and my family even when there was no clear path forward, and the school counselors who helped me to see a horizon that I was not ready to see for myself. This state is full of those individuals, people who refuse to quit, who, light, who, will, who will light up a path even when we are down, who will spark that light in ourselves even if it only glimmers in the dark. This state was built by them, built by people who stepped up to serve. There are educators who get up before the crack of dawn and stay after dark to make sure that their students who need a little extra help get the extra help that they need. They're the linemen who, after a disaster, work double shifts to ensure that we can get our lights back on. They're the social workers who reach into their own pockets to ensure that their clients have enough to eat. And yes, it's the lawmakers. The lawmaker, yes. <laughs> but it's the lawmakers, it's the lawmakers 
who come to Annapolis, who sacrifice time for your, with your families, months from your businesses, the ones who choose to step up and step into the arena, despite knowing the ridicule, fair and unfair, that comes along with it. Because you choose to do it because you believe in the hope of leaving the state a little bit better than the one that you found it. Whether you are in Oakland or Ocean City or in Hagerstown or Habit de Grace, one of the things we can all agree on is that we've got work to do. This is a state where opportunities are boundless, but the challenges are undeniable. It's also a state where there is no obstacle that we cannot address, no challenge that we cannot tackle if we are intentional, if we move in partnership. And promoting a state of service is how we are going to do that. You know, I, um, I only realized recently that service, the word service, actually comes from the Latin word servitium, which means slavery. So it's, it's fitting as a as the first African-American in the state of Maryland to deliver this speech. And as the first African-American to deliver this speech, standing in a building that was built by the hands of enslaved people, that we are now putting service, service towards the good of all. The irony is that it's service that will help save us. On day one of my administration, I ordered the creation of the Department of Service and Civic Innovation. This was not a stunt. This was not because it sounded nice. This was because it is a fundamental part of who I am, and it is in the DNA of this state. Our order consolidates and elevates the agencies of state government that support service opportunities. And we need to follow it up with legislation. And the Serve Act will do just that because it will create a service year option for high school graduates to have, give them an opportunity to serve this state. And while, and while our young people give back, they also lay the foundation for their future success through job training, through mentorship program, and it creates a lifelong habit of service to our state something we so desperately need. Whether they're preparing our state for the realities of climate change or tutoring students or caring for the sick, young people should have the option to perform important service today and build a foundation for our shared future. And by the way, this is the first effort of its kind in the nation, and Maryland will lead.
And now, and I've heard it, some, some, some will ask and they'll say, well, why is this important? Why should state government be the one to do this? And it's because, if you, as you've heard me say before, service is sticky. Service will save us. It will save us money through a more strategic and a better use of resources. Building a workforce of dedicated public servants saves us the expense of costly contractors and external vendors, and if properly manages, delivers us better results. Spending $100 million on inefficiencies and patchwork politics is not the way to run a government. We have the assets. We need to harness them. And that's what my plan does. It will save us time by adding urgency because our people will be more involved in their state government and helping one another, expediting the changes that we know that we need. And it will save one another. At a time when civic bonds are frayed, when many people feel more disconnected from their neighbors than ever before, service is the anecdote to the epidemic of loneliness and otherness. Service, service is how we will re-engage our people in the project of forming a more perfect state. It is time we, that we confront this, this demagoguery of false choices. The idea that if one group of people wins, that means another must lose. Or that when a political party loses an election, that they are somehow excluded from the process of governing for the next four years. It is time for our state to be bold, and that doesn't mean we are being reckless. Our administration has put forth a plan to make historic investments in people, and it spends $1 billion less than last fiscal year. Our plan and our budget, we made the largest investment in public education by any governor in our state's history. Yes. <laughs> and introduce $200 million in targeted tax relief for children in poverty with the Family Prosperity Act and veterans in retirement with the Keep Our Heroes Home Act. <laughs> we, we put a plan... We put a plan forward to make Maryland the first state to end child poverty, and we kept 10% in the rainy day fund. Let's, let's put an end to this belief, and let's put an end to this narrative, that we cannot invest in the future today while also preparing for the uncertainty of tomorrow. It is just not true. Service, public service, that is what will help our state to reach its full potential. Tens of thousands of government workers throughout our state serve our people. They do so despite the fact that the pay could be a little better. 
I'm sure y'all have heard that. <laughs> the incoming complaints, they could be fewer. And the challenges could be easier. But they do it. Because like you and I, they love this state. Today, I want to point out a few of those workers. Someone, maybe all of you know, Judy Ruperon. Judy. Judy Rugnarine was born in D.C., but was raised in Maryland. And for the last 12 years, she has been a fixture in the State House, part of a Department of General Services, ensuring that these beautiful and hallowed halls, that they always look their best. Her strong work ethic, her infectious personality, and her willingness to go the extra mile make her a beloved part of this team. In fact, she's a natural leader, taking on more responsibility, learning basic maintenance and repairs, so she might one day soon become a DGS maintenance mechanic. <laughs> Judy, uh, I'm willing to write your letter of recommendation. <laughs> and I know a guy. <laughs> Nearly a decade of service to this state working in this very building. And today is the first time that Judy has ever watched a state of the state. Please join me in applauding her years of service to this state. She is representative of so many state workers who are serving without a full team behind them and beside them. The team they need and deserve, the support the people of Maryland need and deserve. Right now, Maryland's government has nearly 10,000 vacancies, with just under 6,100 in the executive branch alone. That, mean, that means needs are not being met. It means timelines for licensing and approvals are closer to the 19th century than they are to the 21st. It prevents people from opening up small businesses, from keeping our communities safe, and also while welcoming back those back home who have paid their debts to society. It's keeping Marylanders from getting the health care that they need. This isn't about creating big governments. This is about creating a better one. That means eliminating and consolidating the positions that are no longer needed and filling the ones that we desperately do. It's why I'm proud that my budget makes state government 
and going to state government a more attractive place to work with competitive wage increases to fill positions like registered nurses and attorneys and emergency response technicians. Because our workforce, both public and private, it is the key to our state's future. And study after study tells us the same thing. Every business across the country says their number one factor for relocation, for growing their companies where they are, is a trained and educated workforce. This isn't something we need to create from, from scratch. That workforce already exists. The state just needs to strategically use its assets and resources to unlock its potential. And that starts with education. We can no longer separate our vision for economic prosperity from the duty to make Maryland's public schools the best in the nation. These two things, these two things are inextricably linked. And to achieve those twin goals, we need more teachers, and we need to do a better job of supporting the educators we already have. Listen, this, this pandemic, it dealt a serious blow to our education workforce. Teachers are tired. They're strained. They're overworked and they need reinforcements, here and now. That is why I am calling on the General Assembly to pass the Maryland Educator Shortage Act to strengthen the pipeline of qualified teachers in our state. This bill, this bill, it will create new pathways to address the shortage of qualified teachers, giving our students the mentors and the leaders that they need to explore the full range of opportunities in emerging sectors. And maybe no Marylander exemplifies the untapped potential of this type of policy than Ronnie Beard. Ronnie, in addition to being fresh dressed, <laughs> Ronnie grew up in Frederick. Yes, go ahead, Frederick. And now teaches at Oakdale High School. Originally, he, oh, we got some Oakdale graduates over here? Oh, just representative. Okay. Proud, man. Proud. Originally, he was planning on becoming a juvenile counselor. But while studying at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, go ahead, you want me yes? <laughs> determined that he wanted to help kids avoid the problems before they even start. And through Maryland's Grow Your Own program, he was introduced to the profession.
and he received a scholarship for part of his tuition and internship. And he's now a leader in Frederick, helping to recruit more talented educators to step into the gap. Ronnie, bless you, and thank you for your leadership and all you do. Ronnie's story of using an alternative pathway towards a rewarding profession is a guide. It's a guide on how we grow our state. Our state government has begun to accept real-world experience as a substitute for a college education. And let's be clear, this is a smart and common-sense approach that allows all Marylanders to serve. But we've got to go further to rebuild state government and to give all Marylanders an opportunity to be part of it, my administration will be looking at current standards to make sure they meet the requirements for the jobs that we must fill. And while Maryland is home to some of the world's greatest institution of higher education, a fact that each and every one of us should be very, very proud, we have got to end this myth that young people must attend one in order to be successful. doesn't have to be the path for every student. It wasn't my path. See? And I know I'm not alone. Come on, cornbread. And I tell you, and today, and, 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 and listen, we're not the only ones, cornbread. We have, a, we have, today, we're actually joined by another remarkable young man with us who exemplifies why. Jefferson Vasquez Reyes. Jefferson is a freshman at Montgomery College. Like me, he is on the path to graduate from a two-year college. Like myself and our extraordinary Lieutenant Governor Aruna Miller, he's a child of immigrants who came to Maryland for a better life. They had to forego their education due to war and homelessness in El Salvador. As a 12-year-old child, he became the patient advocate for his mother, his grandmother, who were in and out of the hospital frequently. Witnessing the power of a doctor who understands his family's culture and was able to communicate with his grandmother in her native tongue, he has decided to step up and serve his community by becoming a doctor.
Thanks to scholarships and state funding, he is on his way to wishing free to achieving his dream. We are so proud of you. Gracias. Felicitaciones. And I tell you, his story and his commitment to our state exemplify why this state is so powerful and why this state is so special. We know that right now, and again, thank you so much, and I just want to say we honor you and we honor your family as well. And education, as you demonstrate, it can take on many forms. I saw that when I was in the military. Why I learned life skills of leadership and discipline, determination, waking up early, <laughs> how to do a proper push-up. Where I learned that with the soldiers that I sit next to, that I serve with. And along those lines, we cannot talk about service without talking about veterans and military families. American service members and their families have taken an oath to protect the Constitution, left their families to guard this nation, put their lives on the line to defend our freedom. In fact, if you're, if you're a veteran in this chamber right now, would you mind if you please stand so we can recognize your service? Side note, I'd like to quickly note that the people who we just saw standing come from both sides of the aisle. I'd like to quickly note that no party has the market cornered on patriotism and sacrifice. And now we stand, and we stand for people like Angela McCullough. Yes, yes. Bless you. Angela is a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant. So for those who don't know, Master Sergeant is the one who actually did all the work. <laughs> and is also the owner and CEO of Maryland-based Trilogistics. She served our country in the Air Force for 23 years. And when she finished her time in the military, she saw a lot of promise in Maryland, and she decided that this is where she was going to call home. As an employer, she believes that our workforce and our geography help set her company up for success. She's an example of what our state needs more of. And with my budget's $40,000 exemption on military retirement, she'll be able to put that money back into her business, hire more people, and grow our economy.
and 40,000 veterans like her will see their retirement income tax cut as well. Angela, we are so thankful for not just your service to this country, but your service to this state. God bless you and thank you. Thank you. So the challenge has always been that many veterans do their service here, but then choose to live their lives elsewhere. Maryland should be no state's farm team. <laughs> Let's talk. And if we're serious about growing our economy, it begins by making Maryland the best state to be a veteran. They are lifelong contributors and, by the way, lifelong taxpayers. With more than 362,000 veterans, it is not something that we can do tomorrow. It is an imperative for our state today. The time to make this happen is now, and together we are going to get this done. In Maryland, during the past eight years, we have seen a rise in violent crime. And during this time, law enforcement stepped into the gap to keep our community safe. But at the same time, we have also seen an unacceptable rate of incarceration for young black men and boys in neighborhoods fearful of both the criminals and also the forces sworn to protect them. To paraphrase, to paraphrase F, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who, by the way, is buried in Rockville, Maryland. He wasn't born here, but he knew where he wanted to spend the eternity. <laughs> we must hold these two contradicting items together at the same time and be determined to make them otherwise. Someone here today does exactly that. Marsha Brilly, will you please stand? Marsha is a resident of Baltimore County. Works in Anne Arundel County. She's covered down in the whole state, actually. <laughs> and she has worked, and for, 20, for 27 years, she has worked in the Department of Corrections, the Anne Arundel County Police Department, and now the Anne Arundel County Detention Center. Her work, in short, is to be a guide, a mentor, and a friend to those who have served their time and are now re-entering society. She helps them build relationships and also develop life skills so they can succeed, whether it's workforce training or learning to drive. But she does so much more than that.
if they need a safe place to stay, she locates a home for them. If they're in need of clothes, she finds them a jacket. Her impact is measured by the people she helps to get back on their feet. And frankly, that's an untold amount of good for them and for all of us. Marsha. God bless you for your service and always believing in the others. Thank you so much. Thank you. These men and women, like Marsha, they deserve our gratitude and our respect. And let us thank them with more than just applause. Let's thank them with action. We can increase salaries to recruit and retain corrections and parole officers. It is why our budget calls for more than $30 million to get our state more staff and resident advisors for juveniles. These workers help people ensure that those who are re-entering society are successful and then can give back to it. This will not only make us safer, it's going to make us stronger. And the time to support that work is now. As will this final piece that I want to touch on today. A collective, bipartisan, pledge to end child poverty in the state of Maryland. No group, no group deserves our help more than the children of Maryland in a state with the highest median income in the country, one in eight of our children live in poverty. How can we expect to fill their minds with ideas if they can't fill their stomachs with food? How can they rise above their station if their life is a constant state of deprivation? We can and we will end child poverty in the state of Maryland. And that mission, that mission, that begins this year, right now, and during this legislative session. Now, I know. I, I know this is an ambitious goal, and an audacious goal, and I know they're skeptics. <laughs> and I know they're people, but listen, and, 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 and I'm going to be fair, I know they're people who say this can't be done, but the reason they're saying that, because it's all they've ever known. But today, we can make a decision that we will refuse to accept that. And today, we can make the decision that Maryland is going to lead the way. 
I want to share a story of someone else who's here today that shines a light on the possibilities before us if we can actually achieve this goal. My dear friend Ryan Hemminger, can you please stand up? Ryan is the chief financial officer of one of Maryland's most successful and impactful technology companies. Should I say it again? Is that free advertising? <laughs> Y'all are doing so well, you don't need it. You don't need it. He also co-founded a social enterprise organization that brings young people who are facing the most significant opportunity and achievement gaps in our state across that divide. Now, many of you look at Ryan and you know him as an accomplished business leader, a dedicated mentor, and a strong partner in our communities. What's less known about Ryan is that he grew up in crippling poverty. His parents battled a pain pill addiction. His grades suffered. He went from being an A student to nearly dropping out until a handful of caring teachers stepped into his life. They became an extended family. They brought him breakfast. They helped him with his laundry. They tutored him after school. That same person went on to the Naval Academy. Before settling right here in the state of Maryland, and for nearly 20 years, Ryan and his wife, Sarah, have supported hundreds of our most economically vulnerable young people as they work to find their way to a better life. Ryan's community stepped in, and Ryan stepped up. And that's how it works. And he now serves our state with grace and in impact and humility. Ryan, my dear friend, we love you, and thank you for all you do for this state and all of our families. The challenge of stories like Ryan's childhood is that they're far too common. The promises of, of his adulthood is far too uncommon. There are legislators in this body who know what I'm talking about, legislators here today whose remarkable and improbable journeys mirror Ryan's. Where, where for many in this hall, your success stories serve as more exceptions than rules. Ending child poverty is not complicated, and the tools already exist to get us on our way. There is no partisanship when it comes to a child in need. So let's not allow us to fall into our traditional corners on this issue. 
permanently extending the enhanced earned income tax credit and expanding the child tax credit is how we will begin. This push, this push will make nearly 40,000 families eligible for one of the most successful child poverty tools that this country has ever seen. By reducing the number of children living in poverty and the severity of the poverty, we are changing what has long determined a kid's future before they even have a say. And this helps everyone. For every dollar invested in credits like these, there's up to $10 in economic benefit. And the range is improved for children and outcomes for communities, from higher quality children's health to reduced crime rates. If we do this and we raise the $15 minimum wage and index to inflation, we can lift more than 152,000 children in Maryland to the next rung of the economic ladder. Listen, we can get this done, and we can change the trajectory for our state for generations to come. We can set up our children to win the next decade if we get rid of the policies that force hundreds of thousands of them to lose. I want to end my remarks by taking a moment to reflect. It's a... Uh, it's easy to get lost in the finer points of policy or the politics of turning bills into law. It's definitely possible to get lost in the frenetic energy of Maryland's legislative session. <laughs> whether you have served in elected office for decades or whether you're new to this game, like me. <laughs> What I called for for the past 20 minutes or so, they weren't democratic beliefs. They weren't really partisan at all. They're the things that we all hope for, for all Marylanders. They weren't urban or rural. They didn't apply solely to the shore or to the mountains. Because the same hope to end child poverty is just as strong in Baltimore as it is in Boonesboro. Economic mobility has a home in Dorchester just as it does in Dickerson. Making our government more effective and efficient is an ideal that's held in Hartford and in Howard. These are collective goals. And the collective ideas and the only way that we are going to accomplish them is collectively. We are here serving together because we believe that a career in service is a difference-making profession. We all want what's best for the people that we represent. Everybody we represent. This is the righteous core of politics. This is the essence of why we do the work. And it is why I am now asking you, begging and pleading you,
for your help. You believe in this work. So I know that many of the people around you, they believe in this work too. I cannot do this alone. We cannot do this alone. If we are going to execute on this vision, if we are going to make this state work again, we need people willing to serve. We need talented individuals who put the whole before the self. We need folks like you. And in the days and weeks and months and years ahead, I'll be calling on your partnership to find, recruit, elevate public service as a calling in Maryland. And I can tell you right now, we're off to a great start. As our appointment secretary, Tisha Edwards, knows that she hasn't slept about three weeks. In the past two weeks, 2,833 people have applied to join our administration. In the past two, in these past weeks, more than 1,500 people, Marylanders, have raised their hand to join a board or a commission. Untold numbers are getting involved in their local governments, their civic organizations, the nonprofit that's down the street from their home, and creating new ones that we will soon know. People are signing up to serve, and I want them to keep signing up. We can be a state that rewards, that celebrates, that elevates a culture of service, and we must be. Let us serve. Let us serve together. The people who entrusted us with this solemn oath to put them before ourselves. It is an honor to stand before you. And it is an honor to serve beside you. God bless Maryland, and let's get to work, everybody. Thank you so much.